Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Let's hold our Bibles to heaven and say thank you, Father, for your holy written word. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your words are life to me and health to all of my flesh. I have what your word says I have. I am what your word says I am. I can do what your word says I can do. Holy Spirit, anoint my ears to hear, my heart to receive, and my mind to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes me free. Quicken me according to the word. Change me from glory to glory. And I boldly say, I will never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. The title of my message this morning is called The Main Thing the main thing. It may sound odd, but you'll get it. In Acts chapter 1, beginning at verse 4, we read, this is before Jesus departs and ascends on high, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. And when they had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a and a cloud received him out of their sight. We know that we're living in the last of the last days. How many of you know that for certain? We're living in the last of the last days. There's no question about it. And very briefly, I'm going to share with you some reasons why we know we're living in the last of the last days. These are signs of the times that we're to be aware of. Number one, the first reason and first sign is found in the book of Daniel, chapter 12, and verse 4. It's the explosion of knowledge. The explosion of knowledge. But thou, o Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book. Even to the time of the end, many shall run to and fro. Now notice run, that's transportation. And knowledge shall be increased. Technology and communications. So one sign given to Daniel about the end times would be this explosion of knowledge. And so think about it. Since the time of Adam, till the, till the time we're living in right now, only within the last let's say 150 to 200 years, have we seen this increase of knowledge? Okay, let's do the running to and fro. Okay, transportation, men start off by walking, right? And then riding a horse, then a chariot. Thank God for horse and buggy. Then we proceeded on to a boat, a train, a bicycle, a car, a plane, a rocket, space age. Within the last so many years, the space age. So we see this knowledge increasing in the last 150 to 200 years, like never before. And then communications. Think about communications. We talk about just talking to each other. Then came the smoke signal. Then the telegraph. And then the telephone. And then the radio. 
than the television, than the telewoman, than the, than the, was that in my notes? Then the texting, then the email, then the, then the mice, all the different um, Facebook, FaceTime, all those different means. And think about it. Even today, it's so quick. Right now, your phone is outdated after one year, right? So we're living at a time of increased knowledge like never, never, never before. All right. So that's sign number one. Number two, the birth of nuclear war. In other words, the threat for nuclear war. In the book of Zechariah, chapter 14, verse 12, Look at what it says. And this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand upon their feet. And their eyes shall consume away in their holes. And their tongue shall consume away in their mouth. And many believe this is speaking about the nuclear age that we're living in right now. When think about all the things that are taking place in North Korea, etc., etc., etc. Look what's happened. Look at the advances that have been made in the time we're living in right now. So we know we're living in the last of the last days, and we know the threat of nuclear war is out there right now. So he's talking about these days that we're living in. Number three, and this is probably the one that is probably used more than anything else. The birth of Israel as a nation. In the book of Isaiah 68, or 66 and verse 8, look at what it says. Who hath heard such a thing? Who hath seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day, or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. And so we understand that on May 14, 1968, we, we know that Israel became a nation once again. But look at Matthew's gospel, chapter 24, what Jesus said. When the fig tree blossoms, of course, we're supposed to realize he's talking about Israel. They become a nation again. Now here we have a people group, really, that should have been just, just absolutely wiped out and destroyed. Without question. Other cultures have never survived this. Many, many nations have never survived what they had gone through. But now learn a parable of the fig tree. When the, his branches yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation, everybody say this generation, shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Okay, let's keep that in mind. Remember, how many remember Hal Lindsey? Or know of Hal Lindsey? The late great planet Earth wrote the book. Did you know in 1988 he prophesied or he predicted that Jesus was going to come in 1988? And he took the generation to be 40 years. And so in 1948, he said in 1988, Jesus would come that year. Did he? Well, we hope not. I don't know about you. I'm <laughs> she... And here's what, here's what he did. 40 years is a generation, according to him. In 1980, he should be here. Of course, if you believe in a rapture like we do, it should be 1981, 1988, because second coming would be 1988, but the rapture would be 1981, right? It didn't happen, did it? But I want to show you how minds work when it comes to predicting these dates for the return of our Lord. Okay, uh, Psalm 90, chap chapter 90, in verse 10 says, Oh, I know. Yeah, what are man's years? 70 or 80 by reason of strength, right? So let's do it this way. 1948 adds 70 years, 2018. Minus the seven years, rapture, tribulation period, 2011. Did that happen? Are you sure? We better be sure because we're still here. 
Okay, so that didn't happen. Then let's let's just read let's redo it again. Let's study the whole thing out over and over again, and let's let's come up with this. I know it's 80. Wasn't 70? Now it's 80. Add 10 more years, so it makes it what? 2028 minus seven years, 2021. Is he going to come in 2021? Fall feast, feast of trumpets, 2021. We don't know. But I got a plan. I got a plan. Because if he doesn't come, this is how date setters work. If he doesn't come, Genesis chapter 6 says, what's a man's years? 120. 120, right? Is that what he said? 120 makes it 2068 minus 7 years, 2061. What happens if he doesn't come in 2061? I guess we're lost. I don't, I don't know. Is there anything else? We can't predict dates and should never predict dates and never base the living of your life on any date and never do things like they did back then. Stop working, give away their property, etc., 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 because someone just came up with a date. Okay, so obviously it's not happened. All these years it hasn't happened. Does that mean he's not coming? Absolutely not. He's going to come. Are we living in the last days? We absolutely are. If Paul said we're living in the last days back then, we certainly are 2,000 years later living in the last days right now. Can you agree with that? Right. But I just gave some of you young people hope. You might be around to 2021 and possibly 2061. I'd be 109. Hmm. All right, look at the next one. The regathering of the Jews in Israel. Look at Isaiah chapter uh, 43, verses uh, 5 and 6, I believe it is. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up and to the south. Keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth. In AD 70, when um, the temple was destroyed and Rome took over, the Jews scattered around the world. A scattered people, no longer a people group, no longer a culture. Gone. No national prominence whatsoever. The nations disbanded. And for 2,000 years, until 1948, it stood that way. Until, what, May 14, 1948, they weren't a nation. But now they've become a nation. God preserved them. God's hand was upon them. And in the last days, he said, I'm going to bring my people back to Israel. And guess what? They're coming in by the droves. From every direction, every direction around the world are coming in by the droves. And that's another sign that we're living in the last time. Then you've got the next one, which is the miscellaneous uh, signs Paul listed here in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I believe this is from the New Living Testament. Look at these miscellaneous signs. And if this doesn't really spell out how we're living, the day we're living in right now. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth-breakers, false accusers, incontinent fears, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. And we know that that's characteristic of the time we're living in right now. 
So without a doubt, we know we're living in the last of the last days. Now notice the next one, the temple in waiting. Solomon's third temple, the first two were destroyed. And right now, if you go, uh, you could even go up on the uh, West certain websites and you can find out uh, all about this third temple in 2010. Uh, temple in waiting, all the blueprints were drawn up, etc., etc. And I did a complete teaching on this. You can pick up some of the CDs, but this is just throw it out there real quick to let us know that we're living in the last of the last days. The priestly robes have been already uh, made. The high priestly attire has already been made. Uh, we also know that they got the um, three six-ton uh, cornerstones for the temple already provided. We know that the 95-pound menorah that's golden at a cost of $2 million has already been made, seamless. You can look it up and you can see it for yourself. So in other words, all these things have come together, and that includes other things too, as well as the anointing oil that they anointed the priest with. Think about that. They found that. The Dead Sea Scrolls led them to a cave uh, near Jerusalem, and they found these, okay? But then also there's other signs. The red heifer. They haven't seen a red heifer for 2,000 years, but recently, like in the late 1980s, up until now they've been finding these red heifers, and they're scrutinizing them to see whether or not that they're completely clean. So what is all this pointing to? As a matter of fact, because the Jews no longer practice sacrificial animals and, and rituals that took place in the temple, you know, there's, there's a school set up and they're training them right now to start doing it again. So you put that all together and what do you come up with? We're living in the last of the last days. So, but my main question today is, is that the main thing? Is the main thing to know the day that Jesus is going to come? Is that the main thing? Okay. It's not. It's okay to know that it's near and we should be motivated to live right. What is the main thing? Well, let's go back to our opening text. What happened? There's Jesus. He's got his group together, his disciples together. And he's having a missions conference with them. Right? He's talking to them about, look, I'm about to go to heaven, but I want you to go and wait in Jerusalem until you see the Holy Spirit come upon you. As I told you, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. What do they say? Well, Lord, is it time now for us to have the kingdom restored? They wanted political prominence they wanted political power. They wanted once again to be recognized as a nation, as a people, etc., etc. And they thought that's exactly what the Messiah was going to do, was restore their political power and position. Jesus corrects them to get it back on track. He says in the next verse, he, first of all, he says in, in that verse 7, he said, look, it's not for you to know the time or the seasons that the Father has put in his own charge. It's not for you to know that. But you shall receive political power, intellectual power, national prominence. What shall you receive? Power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. He gets them back on track and says, look. If I even told you 2,000 years would come and go, can you imagine the emotional impact that would have had upon them because they thought he was coming soon? 
It's not for you to know that. Don't even think about that. Don't let that occupy your thinking, your meditation, and whatever. Just know this. What's important, what the main thing is, you receiving power from on high to be my witnesses in Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. That is what is important. Oh, my brother and my sister, did you see that one sign? Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. The church is emerging once again and we're realizing it's not political power, not intellectual power. It is the power of the Holy Spirit of Almighty God that needs to be in manifestation among the people of God so that we could be the shining light that God wants us to be in the world today. That is the main thing. He was saying the main thing is for you to get your act together, get filled with the Holy Ghost, and then be a spokesperson to reach the lost world with the life-changing truths of the gospel. So be faithful to me. Now, let me ask you a question. Is it not the same today? Has anything changed since then? We're not to be distracted by all this stuff that's going on with the date setting and all that. We're supposed to be focused on the fact that every one of us is a shining light in the world of darkness. And our primary objective is to let our light shine among men that they might see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. In other words, we're not to be sitting back and just waiting, on, just waiting for Jesus to come. I'm going to close down my business. I'm going to not plant my crops like we said last week. and going to sit back because he's coming September 23rd of 2017. I guarantee he won't. I guarantee it. If I, if I was a date setter, I, I'm going to set a date to say he's not coming on September the 23rd of 2017. It's just not going to happen. But people, once again, you know, get so caught up in this that they miss out on the main thing. And the main thing is to be faithful to Jesus Christ, to live to honor Him, to obey Him and serve Him, not in your own strength, but by the power and might of the Holy Spirit so that everywhere you go, you are shining light in someone's life. And you can lead them out of darkness into the light. And if that doesn't convince you, look at Matthew's Gospel. Once again, chapter 24. But now let's pick it up at verse, 20, at verse 37. Now, he just said that no man, not even the angels, know when he's coming back, right? And the angels are around the throne 24-7 crying out to God, holy, holy, holy. And guess what? They don't know when he's coming back. So why would we think we're going to know? But as the day, but here's what he says. But as the days of Noah were, show also, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking Buckets of survival food that they bought late night from Jim Baker. Marrying and getting in marriage. You haven't heard survival buckets? His baskets of food he's selling on TV? Okay, and giving in marriage until the day until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Did you, wait, 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 wait. What was that last part? So shall the coming of the Son of Man be. What is he actually saying then? Sounds like life's going to be pretty normal when he comes. Isn't that what it sounds like to you? Then why the fear of Y2K? Why the fear of the end of the world's coming and you've got to have, uh, go to Walmart, buy your generator, get under a hole somewhere. Don't let your neighbor know that you bought that survival kit. 
Don't let them know because they might want some. Do you know some of the statements that were made? I know it sounds funny, but you know, we're talking about merchandising the anointing. We're talking about someone saying, you know they're going to be eating their babies and their arms and people will be eating flesh, they'll be cannibals. This is what's being said to do what? To motivate people to buy the basket. The baskets or the bucket of survival food. Beloved, all that is nothing but selling fear in people's lives. Jesus said, you know how it was in the days of Noah? Life was going on as usual. Nobody listened to his message of righteousness. Who's listening now? There'll be people, the wheat and the tare will grow up together. There'll be people, they hear this gospel over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. But they live their lives the way they want to live their lives. They do what they want to do. Why? Because it doesn't penetrate their hearts and minds and souls. Because they'd rather live in darkness. And Jesus said they love the darkness more than the light. So if they do, then that's what's going to happen. They're going to stay in the darkness. We're going to be in the light. And we're going to be preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching. And life will go on as normal. What did he say? Eating, drinking, marrying, giving a marriage, all that. And then when they don't know it, boom, he comes. It does not say they're going to panic in fear, hiding in a shelter somewhere. That's nowhere in scripture that that's going to happen. So what's important for us to know? The main thing. Let's define the main thing. What's the main thing? Go to Luke's gospel. In chapter 10, I believe it is. Jesus, sharing a little bit about the main thing, said these things. Now it came to pass, as they went, that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? She was waiting for a beautiful response. But her, but. Her therefore that she, uh, bid her therefore that she would help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're careful and troubled about many what? Many what? Many what? There are many things to be troubled over. Many things to be troubled over in this life. Many things we might consider the most important things that we uh, want in life. But he said, look, but one thing is needful. And Mary had chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. What was the main thing? Oh, if we can communicate this to all of us here this morning. The main thing is not to know when he's coming back. But the main thing is to sit at his feet right now and absorb from his word. And just absorb from his character. A true disciple is someone who sits at the feet of his master. He peers into his eyes. He listens to his every word. He watches his every action. He wants to emulate his life. He wants to be exactly as he is. And what did Jesus say? As as he is, so are we in this world. In other words, he wants us to be changed from glory to glory rather than putting all this effort, work, and energy, energy to find something out that's unknowable. Get on your face before the throne of God and look up to the Lord and just say, Lord, I want to know what you want me to know. I want to have what you want me to have. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to serve you with my life. I want to live out every single day as if you were coming today. And you know what? That's the date that we live by. He's coming today. 
How would you live if you knew he was coming at midnight tonight? How would you live if you knew he was coming at noon tomorrow? What would our actions be, our behavior be? What would we be doing? Would we be telling people? Would we be shouting it from the mountaintops? Absolutely. That is what he wants us to do, every single one of us in our lives. There's a man by the name of Bob Pierce. And Bob Pierce was the founder of World, World Vision. And he was tremendously used by God. He was in Asia, and that's where his outreach ministries were. And as a result, thousands of people came to Christ. He was strong-willed, energetic, committed to the task. And he was so much so that this organization was flourishing at that time. And great and mighty things were taking place. He saw the need because there were so many hungry people in Asia that he collected, um, I believe, over a million dollars to help out with the aid to the people. And that sounds like the main thing. And it is part of the main thing. But I want to show you the other side of it. What he did was he ignored his family. Actually, he forsook his family. And he said, God has called me to the world to do what he's called me to do. And I'm going to do it. And he was a man that didn't control his anger. He was very difficult to live with and get along with. Even in the organization that he founded, World Vision. And as he was just traveling the world 10 months out of the year and doing his own thing, on one occasion, his daughter called him and said, please, Dad, I need to see you. Come home. He told her, no, I'm going to Vietnam. I'm going to do some missionary work over there. Mother came home and found out that she tried to commit suicide. She failed the first time. But within that same year while the father was in Vietnam, trying to help other people, she committed suicide. He lost his daughter. He's lost his marriage because she divorced him. He lost his work because the people of World Vision said, your anger is uncontrolled. You're making decisions based on your feelings and emotions, not on things that are correct. There's no way that we could work together. He lost his job. He lost his position. He lost his family. See, the main thing involves a lot of things. It's putting God first, yes. But if you're married, you have an obligation. You have a wife to care for. If you're a father and you have children, you've got children to care for. And caring for children doesn't just mean I'm going to go to work 10 months out of the year and they'll see me within two-month period in that whole year. And at, the, at any whim, just take off and, and go and do my own thing. No, when we talk about a balanced message and what the main thing is, give your heart to Jesus. Get on your face before God. And for those of you that are not filled with the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you right now, Jesus said they need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Get yourself filled with the Holy Ghost and power. Empowered with power from on high. Not political power, but power from on high that is transforming, that will touch your heart and touch your mind, that will equip you, anoint you, and enable you and for me to carry out the purpose of His will, to be the person He wants me to be, to be the father He wants me to be, to be the husband He wants me to be, to be the... the, the a church member he wants me to be, whether I'm in a pastoral position or in a layperson position, doesn't matter what position I'm in. You see, we got to get our eyes back on Jesus. Yeah. We got to get back to looking, sitting at his feet, 
humbling ourselves before him and say there's a whole lot more for us to have. I'll tell you what, we don't want to come to church and just have an empty religious experience and just walk out the door just because we did this, 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 and this and just took off. Oh, beloved, if we think this morning was something, we're going to have a whole lot more of that. We're going to have a greater manifestation of the presence and power of Almighty God as we humble ourselves and get ourselves at His feet and just wait upon Him for, for the outpouring of His Spirit to increase by degree and measure until heaven meets us here on this earth and we have days of heaven on earth. Praise God. It's why? So the lost can be saved. So the sick can be healed. So the bound and afflicted can be delivered and set free. What is the main thing? The main thing, Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, recovering sight to the blind, set liberty to bruise, and preach the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of Jubilee. If that was His mission, should that not be our mission as well? Hallelujah. While people are suffering and people are dying and not getting their healing, etc., 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 God wants us to recognize it's time to wake up and call the main thing the main thing and start pursuing it with every fiber of our being. Teaching people how to believe God by faith and reach out and receive from Him. Amen. God wants us, praise God, to get to a place that, glory to God, we occupy till He comes. Look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 19. What does it mean? The main thing, he said, therefore, a certain nobleman went to a far country to receive himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said to them, Occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. This is exactly what the main thing is. You and I are to occupy, and that is an active word, not passive word. Not sitting back saying he's going to come on a certain day. Let's just sit back in my mouth. Just sit back in my No. We are to be working even harder in the vineyard knowing that he is coming soon. And so I wrote out some things. This is called the main thing. Occupy. What does it mean to occupy to his comes? Number one. Use our God-given gifts, talents, and abilities for the glory of God. Let's ask ourselves this question honestly. Do I recognize the gifting of God in my life? As a good steward of the manifold grace of God, do I recognize that God had made a deposit in my life of something that I can use for His honor and for His glory? And if I recognize that, then am I committed to doing it? Am I going to use the gift, the talent, the ability that God has given me? You can have the most beautiful singing voice and use it for the devil. You realize that? You can have a tremendous talent on a musical instrument and use it for the devil. You can have a great skills as far as writing is concerned and use it for the devil. Anything and everything that we have has come to us by God. He's made deposits of His grace in each and every one of our lives that are to be used to do what? Honor Him. Glorify His name upon the earth. Amen? And we need to ask ourselves, am I fervently doing that whether your gift is serving, whether your gift is writing out a card, sending it to somebody and encouraging them, maybe you're an encourager. Whatever the case is, whatever it might be, it doesn't matter what it is. Just use it to the honor and the glory of Almighty God, and He'll reward you and bless you for doing it. Get caught up in doing that. Find out somebody who is sick. Call them on the phone. Give them a scripture. Go to the hospital. Meet them. You find out someone had a loss in their family, then what you do is you do the same thing. Get involved. Can I help in any possible way? It doesn't take a whole lot to be involved in, in serving God if our, if our eyes are open. Uh, number two, B. Not only are we to use the gifts that he's given us, but to also 
carry on spiritual business for the king. Carry on our spiritual business for the king. Loving him, serving him, walking with him, studying his word, developing spiritually. Uh, no matter what your work is, is, you might be called to work with young people, work with youths. Sometimes people fail to realize the need to do certain things. You know, whether we've got help that we need in the nursery, whether we've got help with our young people uh, in, in the elementary age or the youth age, etc., etc. Do something just to let God know, I want to be involved in carrying on spiritual business for you. I want to be involved in, in sharing the power of the name of Jesus with people. You know, beloved... I never did this from the very beginning of my life when I first got saved. I never did anything like what I'm doing. Never. I didn't even know you could be saved. didn't even know you could be born again. Sometimes people are looking for an invitation. We don't need an invitation. He's already invited us. When I got saved, I just started doing what my hand found to do. I'm going to do what my hand finds to do. And you know what? The devil will come along and make you think that what you're doing is really not important. Brother Jim, when you started uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, sometimes the devil comes along and make you think, is this going to work? What are we really doing with all that? But look at what God has done. Look at the lives that have been touched. Look at the, the, the young people that are exposed to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they realize that, you know what? Being in high school, playing high school sports is a wonderful thing, but it's not the main thing. What's your main thing today? What's the main thing that you're pursuing in life? Now, those things can be legitimate. I'm not saying that. But what's the main thing? Put God on the throne. Put Jesus in control of your life. Get filled with Holy Ghost power. Fill yourself up with the Word of God. Put up number three. The Holy Ghost power and the Word of God in your heart, in your mouth. Serve God willingly and do what He instructs us to do. When he told me to go to Ramah, I'll tell you what, that was the last thing in the world I wanted to do. I didn't want to leave the comforts of Youngstown, Ohio. Didn't want to leave the comforts of working in my milk crane with all the benefits that I had, making the decent money that I was making, being around my local family. My family was local, and not local crazy, but local. They were just, no, wait a minute, I'll take that back. <laughs> I may have to take that back. Uh, anyhow, I think we all have a little bit with our families. Can you say a little, a little, little? Mm -hmm. Okay. And so for me to pack up and go to, to um, rattlesnake country, that's what I thought Tulsa was, rattlesnakes and tornadoes. Who wants to go there? I don't want to go there. But you know what? Whatever he tells you to do. He told me to go to school there. I was obedient to go to school there. I did what he told me to do. That's what this life is all about. That's the main thing is to do what he instructs us to do. Nothing wrong with studying prophecy to find out that we're living in the last days. But when you take it to an extreme, there's something wrong there. And when looking for things that are unknowable, there's something wrong there. Let's get caught up. Look at the next one. Let's get caught up in doing this. Witness to the lost and warn them of coming judgment. Witness to the lost and warn them of coming judgment. You know, we, we did the filming yesterday, or I'm sorry, Thursday uh, for Andrew on the 700 Club. And that's already been done. And they're going to put together the, it's almost like a story. Okay, and, and we were the actors in the story. The actress and the actors in the story. Anyhow, the main thing for Andrew, and you can ask any one of us in the family, is to tell someone about Jesus. To witness to someone about Jesus. Recently told me just again, he's got another band member that he's, basically all over he said the lord spoke to me and showed me that i can talk to so and so about jesus and i says that's wonderful andrew make sure that you do it with your life with your words with your lifestyle what they see in you 
Amen. And I can't tell you even enough about Dante and, and Carly and how people see something that's different about them because their life is a witness and a testimony that they serve the living God. And I'm talking about not getting engaged and involved in things that the other people do. When you go through high school like Dante did and you've got, you know, you're a captain of the football team and you've got peer pressure and you've got all these people going to all these parties doing all the different things. And I see him just coming home, just saying, I can't stay there any longer. I applaud that in him. I applaud that in him. I will not do the things that they do. Because that's the main thing. The main thing is to stay right with God. Put up the next one. To be a productive, I love this statement, fruit-bearing branch in the vine. Look, when you're in high school and you've got this kind of peer pressure and you, you're, you're in, a, in a state where you're popular because of what you do, basketball, football, and all that sort of thing, you know, even on the prom committee, on the prom, it's like to be part of the prom, the temptation is out there to be distracted and to think that, okay, I'm popular and I'm going to lean toward this and lean toward that. There is nothing more important than being a productive, fruit-bearing branch in the vine. Why? What did Jesus say in John 15? I'm the vine and you are the branches. Any branch in me that doesn't produce fruit, just cut it off and throw it into the fire. Let it be burned. But if you are in me and you're a fruit bearer, you bear fruit, you're pruned. Yeah, he'll, he'll prune us, no question about it, so that you can produce more fruit and more fruit and more fruit. When I worked in the mill, I was just, I've always been a hard worker. You know what I mean? I always did my job. I would come out, I really want to get my job done early. And before I ran the crane, I, I, would, I, would, I was a burner. And a burner would have to take, to take the torch. We made this long, seamless pipe, 30 feet long, 15 inches, 15 and three quarter wide, round. And whenever you would have a cobble, that means it would go into the high mill and it would just cobble up rather than smoothly going through and bringing it back out. I would, the crane would have to pick up that cobble, which could be about 25 feet long and all smashed up, and they put in a trough. I'd have to go in that with, with the burner and I'd have to burn that thing into sections so they can put it all together and get the, get the crane and take it all away. Well, you know, I, I was just doing this day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out. I never noticed whenever I came to work, the trough was always full. Always full. One day, I just sat there looking at it because I work like a dog. The, 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 we have three shifts. Morning, afternoon, and night shift. No matter what shift I was on, whenever I came out, the trough was full of cobbles. One day I just got to work and I just sat there looking at it, probably longer than I should have, because the boss saw me. He said, what are you doing? I said, you know what? I don't really know, because uh, how is it that every time I come here, this trough is full, but when I leave here, it's empty? Do we really have that many cobbles over the next 16 hours? He said, no, not really. I said, then why are you coming on me, harping on me to get this done when the other two shifts, they're not doing them at all? His response? Because we know you'll do it. 
The other ones, they sleep in the shanty. They get there drunk. I'm being honest with you. They go in a shanty. They go to sleep. Someone wakes them up when their eight-hour shift is about over. And they're protected by the union. They won't lose their job because of the union. But they've got Bill to do the rest of the work for all three shifts. And I said to my boss, I said, I should get paid then for their... <laughs> Give me triple my salary. I'm the one that's doing it all. You know, he pruned me a little bit. When God knows you'll do it, he'll prune you. And he'll give you something more to do because he knows you'll do it. You see a Chuck Sorelli and you see how he works like a madman around here. He has two speeds. Extra fast and then boom, go to sleep the moment he sits down. That, that's just it. That's him. Am I right? <laughs> because you see, he's been pruned. And he always does, does the, and God knows I can give him more to do. God wants us to be a productive fruit bearing branch in the vine. And the most important thing is what Jesus did. Preach the gospel to the poor. Preach deliverance to the captive. Come inside the blind. Settle the bruise. Preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That is it. It's ministry. It's about people. People. It's about loving people. It's about helping people. It's about ministering to people. Not date setting. Not knowing when he's going to come. As a matter of fact, the more that we realize he's coming, we should be more effective in urgent there should be such urgency in our spirits what more can i do what more can i do what more can i do to serve the lord my god that's exactly the mindset that we should all have and you're wondering maybe why i'm so adamant about this here right now because be honest with you all these dates settings all these books i felt for a long time someone's got to speak out stop spending your money on all those books that have no meaning whatsoever stop it you man will not know the date that he comes Never. Why get caught up in all that? When you can know, praise God, you can serve the Lord your God. Look at the next one. And the last one, keep the main thing the main thing. Keep the main thing the main thing. What is the main thing? You love Him with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. What is the main thing? You love people the way He loves you. What's the main thing? Serving one another. Loving one another. Caring for one another. Helping one another. Helping each other carry their other's burden. Amen. So the conclusion is, we know we're living in the last of the last days, right? We know we can be the, the very generation that ushers in this, the return of our Lord. We know that. But ask yourself these questions. Are you, am I, doing my part as far as the Father's business is concerned? Am I pouring myself out in these last days, knowing that it could be tomorrow, and doing what? Seeing to it that the investments that he made in my life will bring him dividends in people's lives upon the earth. And you know what? When you choose to serve God this way, and you choose to put him first, and you choose to honor him with the gifts, talents, and abilities he's placed within you, you will store for yourself up treasures in heaven where rust and moth will not get in and destroy. And so let's be so mindful of this. Be mindful that we need to keep the main thing, the main thing. That man lost his family because he didn't keep the main thing, the main thing. Serve God, but that means in every way. Individually, as a spouse, as a parent, as a church member, serve the Lord faithfully. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today.
On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, and God loves you, and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and I'll accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.